Do you like candles? We all know that I love candles and I love the candles from Remy Moon. They are an Australian based small business and they make the best and most magical candles. All of their candles are made with high vibes, pure intentions, and each one is crafted with a little bit of Reiki healing that also suits the intention of the candle itself. All their candles are non-toxic and vegan, so they don't harm us or the animals. You can use the code SUBURBANWITCH for 15% off all of their products, and it's only for listeners of the Witch Talks podcast. Simply head to remymoon.com.au to get your candles now. Welcome to Witch Talks, the series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, professional tarot reader, astrologer, and witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Witch Talks podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. My name is Hannah O'Neill. I am known as Hannah the Suburban Witch, and I am your host for today's episode. Well, (laughs) the episodes on this podcast because it is my own. (laughs) Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I have three upcoming classes. They are roughly two and a half hours long each and include tons of interaction, including a Q&A at the end too. But here's the catch. There's only 10 spots available per class to attend live. That's because I like to maintain the integrity of each class. I want it to be intimate. I want everyone to get an opportunity to ask questions and have their voices heard. So the next three classes that I have coming up are how to read tarot, which is just in a couple of days from this podcast episode going out, how to be psychic, which will be in May and in June on the day of the solstice, we have a candle magic class. You can head to suburbanwitchery.com to find out more about each of these now. And let's invite our lovely guest on. This is one of those relevant episodes that if you have listened to my religious trauma episode, if you have listened to the episodes with Rosie Quartz, they all kind of, they're starting to link in, right? This is going to be another religion based one. Tons of content for you guys if you have a similar story to mine and are still deconstructing because we need as much help as we can get. In this episode, I'm chatting with Yvonne. Abro about changing religions. They are a fellow witch and pagan and have an MA in contemporary religions and spiritualities. I'm sure you can guess where this podcast episode is going to go. Yvonne is also an author of many books and I am excited to pick their brain today. Yvonne is joining us via Zoom all the way from Ontario in Canada. Hey Yvonne, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you on as well. Can we start our chat today by pulling a tarot card? Would you be open to that? Yes, that would be lovely. Awesome. Now, are you a cat person or a dog person? Cat. Perfect, because I picked this one out in <laughs> in advance. And I was like, I'm going to use the Soul Cats tarot because it feels right. I knew I was coming, yeah. So pull it out there. It's one of those tarot decks that comes in a ginormous box, but the actual deck is really just a standard size. It needs to be the same size as the palm of your hand, right? Yeah, absolutely. You need to be able to hold it comfortably. And I have small hands, so a lot of decks do not pass that test, unfortunately. Um, Now, do you have a question? You can ask any question you like. It can be um, general guidance. It can be specific to something in your life. It's totally up to you. Ooh. um, How's the book going to (laughs) go? All right, let's see. Let's have a little look. So for everyone listening, Yvonne's 
book. We're recording this um, just before it gets released and it will be released a few days before this episode goes live. So let's have a little look for how that's going to go. That is a good card and I'm going to give a little advice card as well because that can be also good. All right, so the very first card, which is how it's going to go, we have the Ace of Swords. Now, oh. in this card, we have this beautiful, beautiful little, very icy-looking kitty cat. Um, I don't know what type that is. Is that Siamese, do you think? Yeah, it looks like Siamese, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. like a Siamese cat. Yeah. There's a little um, symbol of air on its forehead where the third eye for a cat would be and yeah. a little sword hanging from its collar. It is beautiful. It's all sort of icy oh. blues and whites and greys. Now, the aces in the tarot for me, they are the luckiest cards that we have. They are a good thing. They're very rarely going to be a negative card. So this for me, especially being ace of swords, and swords are about the mind and writing especially. I always associate swords with a pen, right, and words and communication. So for me, this is a really good sign for your book launch and that it's going to actually um, give people not only just a new focus for themselves to focus on uh, this new idea and bringing it into being and working through it. But I think it's also going to pivot you a little bit and give you a little bit of a new focus. This this whole theme may, may even grow from here. So I think that's really good. And the advice card, we have the chariot. And huh. this is <laughs> you know I go, huh? Because I'm a cancer and that's cancer card, right? It is. Well done. Yes, the astrological ruler for this one is cancer. And this card, it's really woodsy. It's like this little kitty cat yeah. uh, going on this little, what are they called? The paths that they have in, in Europe. Cobbled. Like that. Yeah, but that could represent the book, right? Yeah walking down a path and you get to choose <gasps> changing paths so if you're not listening if you didn't know the book is called changing paths and this is you know it's a card of direction it is a card of choice yeah. it's a card of um taking back control and getting to choose which direction you go to and the interesting thing with this one is usually a chariot card has you know the the two different sphinxes at the front in the right away smith at least and they're kind of going in different directions like they kind of it, it feels a little bit pulling you in two different directions. This one doesn't yeah. have that. It's got the cart, the cat pulling the chariot, pulling the little cart facing where the path is going. And there's a little like robin or bird on its back facing the other side. So that's where you get that little little two-sided. Yeah. So, but it, it yeah. is fantastic. It even matches your background that you've got on this call, this little woodsy. woodsy yes. Thing. So that I think advice-wise it's, um, it's definitely about, you know, choosing choosing which direction to go and then almost like sticking with it um and really just focusing on your will what your end outcome what your destination is going to be and just making sure all roads lead to that for you in terms of like book marketing and things like that so when you put a post out be like all roads lead to the book so does this relate and push people towards the book that would be the advice in terms of everything that you're doing marketing wise for it to increase oh. the benefits of your your book launch as well so Oh, very very good. I, love, I love this deck. I really love this deck. It's by nice, Lisa Robertson and the art was by Adam Olders. And I do have an unboxing on, on YouTube if anyone wants to see what the cards look like. It's super cute. But let's jump into what we're going to chat today about, which would be um, your new book, Changing Paths. And I have been desperately awaiting news of the book release because I did get an advanced copy from you and it is one of those books that I think is going to be a critical resource for 
many, many people currently and to come. And for me personally, especially with my audience, knowing my own religious history, this is something I've been wanting to recommend to people. Like, this is a great resource. You need to read this book, but it wasn't out and I couldn't do it yet. So now I can. Um, but for you, how does it feel knowing that, you know, at least by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be out in the world and you can, you know, talk about it and show people and people are going to be reading it. How does that feel? Yeah, really great. Because, I mean, this whole thing came out of um, my journey and my my experiences and um for a long time, it was too soon to write about the experiences because they were too raw. And I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, you know, seven years have now elapsed. And seven years is really important to me as the the time when all the, the cells in your body have changed. Um, and you can and you can look at literally looking at things with fresh eyes. Um, and so it was really great to just be able to to sort of look back on the experience and reflect on it and um and just sort of break it down into parts like bit by bit so that anybody who is going through that same experience can um can use the book as a companion on the way because I really wished that I'd had somebody to hold my hand who knew what I was going through and um, and so I thought, well, there must be other people out there who who want the same thing. And so um, I'm, yeah, I'm really stoked that it's finally going to be there. And I'm really chuffed about the cover. I think it's gorgeous. And you know, I think it's really the the color and the tone of a cover can be so important to you know whether you want to pick the book up off the shelf and and find out more what, about what's in it. Um, and, you know, so many pagan books tend to have like a black cover and the ones that I'm drawn to have a blue or a green cover. <laughs> As I looked at my, I looked at my bookshelf some time ago and realised, oh my God, I've got so many blue pagan books. <laughs> it's a safe colour, I think. I think yeah. blue and green, they feel safe, they feel trustworthy, they're not too intense. And I think as well, the cover that you've chosen, which is this beautiful like woodland back or yeah, wood background, I would say, it feels um, not scary, which sometimes this topic, which talks about you know, changing paths, changing religions, changing spiritual beliefs, some people can feel really intimidated by that. So it needed to be something that invited people into a place of, you know, it feels restful and calm and peaceful. And I think that's really yeah. necessary for this topic. Definitely. I mean, green is a nice restful colour and, and like most people feel like drawn along into the path um, in the woodland. And um, and also the other thing that was that was really, really keen to make sure uh, was that it shouldn't be prescribing any one path to anyone, because um, obviously we've had far too much of that in our lives. Yep. And um, so um during the first half of the book I was quite careful to say you know whatever religion you are leaving and whatever religion you're joining these are the things to look out for like and then the second half is about joining paganism but um in as much of a non-prescriptive way as I could make it yeah I loved that about the book so um just to give everyone a little bit of background do you want to tell them I guess obviously it's based in your own journey but how did you get there how did you get to where you are now where did you come from what's your your history with your own religious version of changing paths 
Yeah. So, well, when I um, I grew up in something called the Plymouth Brethren, um, which is a pretty scary uh, religion, um, what we call a high control religion. So they want to control every aspect of your life. And um, my parents thankfully left that um, when they when I was nine. And that is why the, the book is dedicated to them, because without them having taken that step, um, I think that uh, I would be in a very different spot than I am now. Um, and uh, so they left, but then um, they joined a sort of evangelical church and then they kind of got bored of that as well. And I joined an evangelical church when I was a teenager. and. Um, I mean, it was weird because there were, there were a number of things where I was sort of going, oh, I don't know if I agree with this. Like, I remember not believing in young earth creationism and and I'm pretty sure I didn't actually believe in the devil. Um, That's a big uh, part of uh, Christianity. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're, a weird thing, I realised that I never actually prayed to Jesus. I, I was always praying to God. I don't know why. Mm. Um must be it must be some sort of unitarian tendency i don't know um and uh anyways so when i was a teenager um my best friend came out to me as gay um and i spoke to my evangelical peeps about this and they were like oh no you know kind of that if he acts on it he'll go to hell and it's like i'd known this guy since I, since he was 5 and i was like well he was definitely you know born that way and um, he there's not a lot he could do to change it if he, even if he wanted to or um and so and I was like well he's wonderful the way he is he's a wonderful person and you know really lovely caring person so like why should what you know what is the point of a deity that would condemn somebody um who who is such a beautiful person and and so uh, I chose my friend over Christianity. Um, and there were other factors as well. Like I'd seen the film Gandhi and thought, you know, um, hey, there are millions of Hindus out there living a fully devoted religious life. Why why would God not accept that? It's a good um, yeah. Um, and um, so I think, so anyways, uh, I became an atheist for a few years and then, um, I was kind of looking around for a spirituality and I'd read um, Puck of Pook's Hill by K Rudyard Kipling and I just found that a really great book and um, um, and so uh, when I when I decided that I was a pagan I thought I was the only pagan in the world <laughs> this is you know you gotta remember this is pre-internet um, yeah. right so um so I was sort of well yeah I'm a pagan but I don't know what to do about it um and then luckily when I was at university I met other pagans and um and the rest is history as they say but uh but then yeah so it, the thing that actually gave rise to this book was that um I hadn't really dealt with my my anger and fear about Christianity so I just kind of buried it at the bottom of my psyche um under a volcano uh, with a locked box marked do not open and 
um, every so often, every time Christianity was mentioned, the volcano would go, <laughs> and I'd be like, bloody Christian, right? Um, so clearly, I needed to deal with that, and I did a, I did a master's degree in contemporary religions and spiritualities, and I found out all about queer Christians and liberal uh, liberation theology and queer theology and all this cool stuff, and I'm like, oh. Oh, that's cool. Um, so then I actually had to open the box and deal with the fear, right? And um uh so I did that. <laughs> and um bizarrely, possibly bizarrely, I tried um orthodoxy for a bit, um, which was so it was great because it was so different than than what I'd grown up with. Um, but it turned out that they they were harboring frothing mad homophobes as well so that was good <laughs> um like the actual clergy were fine but the the institution itself was homophobic and some of the congregation were um so i thought that's it i'm running off to join the unitarians um and uh so i did that and they were great and um and i uh did unitarianism for a few years um but still and the great thing about Unitarianism, I could I could be Wiccan and Unitarian at the same time, mm. uh, although some people thought that was weird. Um, most of the people who thought it was weird were Unitarians. Like Wiccans were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after a while, I realised that you know many people um, acquire great fulfilment and happiness from practicing two religions, and I decided that that wasn't for me, and I had to pick one. <laughs> Um, and so I picked Wicca and, um, I harbor great fondness for Unitarianism, but, um, and I'm very thankful for the, all the healing and affirmation that I got there, Mm. Uh, but ultimately it wasn't for me, but, um, but it's very cool. Yeah. I've had um, one other one other podcast guest who was a universal a Unitarian Universalist, and that was episode oh, nine, ten, or eleven, I think. Um, sure. Yeah, that was interesting. We talked about um, that sort of thing as well. It's it's actually I've I've seen quite a few people who are both Wiccan and Unitarian as well. So I think it's not as uncommon as people might expect to have those two merging together. Yeah, I mean. It- um, it can work for sure. Um, I think it was just, uh, you know, when and where we were trying to do this, it didn't quite gel. Um, but so what year was it when you decided Wicca was your your thing? How- yeah, so that was, um, it was sort of the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. Um, uh, that was the sort of, right, that's it, I'm sticking with wicker and <laughs> yeah um and uh i actually made it i, w- I went to a symbol uh, which is like a heathen ritual for um which involves drinking and uh, and making toasts and oaths and mm. uh over a sacred mead horn and um and i actually made an oath at that ritual mm. and when you make an oath over a sacred mead horn you yep. better fall it. <laughs> um and just as a side note for anyone wondering um the episode was on um with leslie j linder and we did talk about that a little bit as well as um a lot of the gender aspects within wicca which i believe you 
also comment on because you do something called inclusive wicker is that right yes that's right um yes. what's the so, yeah, it's, right so uh first of all i should mention that you have a tradition called inclusive wicker in australia oh. um which is not the same as the inclusive wicker small eye that i that i do um so inclusive wicker is a tendency within it's not a tradition on its own it's a tendency within uh, other forms of wicker um and the idea is to make wicker inclusive for lgbt people and disabled people neuro neurodivergent people and people of color so that they're not automatically kind of structurally excluded because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the some of the ideas and a lot of the liturgy can be a bit heterocentric yeah um, and so um and i also felt that making people copy out the book of shadows by hand was ableist yeah, uh, yeah. um and so i was looking to make adjustments to to deal with those things mm. um, and that was how all acts of love and pleasure inclusive wicker was born um and then the two follow-up books dark mirror the inner work of witchcraft and the night journey witchcraft is transformation which go into more detail mm-hmm. on that uh, on the anti-oppression and the um and the practices yeah awesome well i think it's definitely necessary and it's probably going to be an area of wicca that does grow i think as people open their minds a little bit to yeah yeah how i mean things impact other people that are not always just like them yeah i mean it's now nine years since the first but the since all acts came out and I think things have changed quite a lot mm-hmm. since then and um, people are much more receptive to the ideas. Um, and the other thing that was that I wanted to make it clear that you can be a polytheist and a Wiccan, mm-hmm. an animist and a Wiccan, or even an atheist and a Wiccan, and that's totally fine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the number of times I run into people online saying, oh, no, but you're a Wiccan, you can't be a polytheist. And I'm like, well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I deal with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now, when we talk about your book as we continue through, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to be quoting you a lot because I really, 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 I can't stress how much I resonated with what you wrote. It a lot of the time felt like you had dipped into my brain and taken the words straight out of my mind. Like it was, it was so wonderful to read in that aspect. I was like, oh my goodness, this is not only just resonating, but I mean, I'm sure you'll see as I as I pull a few pieces out. Um, but you've already mentioned um, that this book is not just for ex-Christians switching to paganism. Um, it covers so much more than that. And I think that's wonderful. Um, but today we're going to just mainly focus, I guess, on the ex-Christian to paganism stuff, because that's where I am and what a lot of my listeners are at at the moment. But of course, if you read the book, everyone listening, it, it covers atheism uh, any other religion that you are moving from or to it's, it's yeah inclusive of all of those yeah and it so, also includes oppressive forms of paganism yeah 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 definitely um now at one point you said this so i'm quoting it directly because it's wonderful people become disenchanted with a spiritual tradition or religious community when its values and beliefs and attitudes come into conflict with their own when they perceive an internal consistency within those values or beliefs, or when their tradition fails them at an important juncture in life. 
when a religion preaches compassion and tolerance but is intolerant and harsh towards a specific group of people, its lived values are in conflict with its professed values. And this often creates a cognitive dissonance for its adherence. I mean, I could marry that paragraph. <laughs> Just, it sums up the reason people leave so many forms of religion and spirituality so perfectly. Uh, my own journey, your own journey, you've already described about your values and the values of the church, you know, I'm reading into your words a little bit more here. Then, yeah, sure. You know, we we love everybody, but not if you do that. <laughs> which, yeah. Which is so, um, yeah, it, it is. It doesn't it doesn't work. Your brain sort of goes, hang on a minute, something's not quite right. It's not the values are not lining up here. Um, and then the part where it doesn't it doesn't help you through a critical juncture. This is one thing when I read that. It, it clicked something in my brain and it helped me to realize something that I hadn't realized before. And I've been, you know, deconstructing for years now, but during my teens and most of my listeners will know this, I went through, um, I had a severe eating disorder, self-harm, depression, anxiety, um, all of those sorts of things. It was, it was pretty dark for a long time. And I remember going to church and at church, not only would I feel worse about it, more guilty and more full of shame and more like there was something wrong with me, um, but they also prey on it. My my church in particular was, you know, the sermons would start with, if you are out there, it doesn't matter how broken you are, if you are, you know, um, you're falling to pieces inside, Jesus still wants you, Jesus needs you to come up today. Jesus. And it felt like it was speaking to me because I did feel that way, right? Mm. But it never actually helped me feel any better. And yeah. even when I had uh, one of the, the youth pastor's girlfriend who had a zero counseling experience whatsoever became my counselor and I oh. would have to tell her when, you know, things were happening and she didn't make me feel any better either. Um, and I didn't, it just, the whole thing never worked and it didn't support me and it didn't enrich me. It didn't give me explanations. It just made mm -hmm. me feel like I was wrong or it was demons. Right. And there was even like a, I'm not going to get into the little, <laughs> almost exorcism thing that happened. But even after leaving, and we left because my mum was kicked out and I was living with my mum, so it was, you know, you're both not welcome here anymore because my parents split up. So I've gone through all of this horrible mental health stuff, then a massive divorce, which rocked my world, had to change mm -hmm. schools um, due to a lot of bullying. And suddenly it was like, when I need a religion the most, when I need that community I've grown up in and been brought up in, they all turned their backs. And I don't think I ever really dealt with that. I kind of just went looking for another church and then oh, I'll find a church later or when it's a little bit more convenient. And I never really realized that the church and the religion were kind of together in my brain as not supporting me until I read that paragraph from you. And I was like, oh my gosh, wow. that's the important juncture that they didn't support me through. And that's why I've never been able to go back into a church comfortably and I've never really returned to that and I've I lost all that faith that I had so like I had so much faith growing up it was bred into me and that's where I lost it and it was just like this wow moment so it inspired a lot of journaling it was very very good um delighted to hear that so yeah um do you see that blind spot that particular one um where people may not realize like they've left the religion or have you noticed people not realizing why they left it until much, much later. Does that make sense? I think, yeah, it does. And I think that, um, I think that 
there's a whole i mean especially in your situation where where you were booted before you were ready to mm. boot yourself um i think that there are the surface reasons that one has and then there's a sort of underlying there's all sorts of underlying stuff going on um i mean one of the resources that i talk about is um Gillian Jenkinson who's got a book coming out next year um and she talks about how um cults actually form a new personality on you mm-hmm. and that's like a fake personality and then you have to when you, during the process of deconstructing you're not just deconstructing the crappy beliefs they've put on you you're also deconstructing this kind of fake personality that they've grafted onto you as well yeah. um which is this sort of you know the the personality that um that this whole thing of like i've got to be dependent on on jesus and all this stuff like um i mean it's like it's interesting you brought up the word broken um because if you read um if you read like evangelical christians or quite a lot of christians will talk incessantly about being broken and this and that thing being broken and and i'm just like i'm not broken you know like your your response whatever you know whether and whether it was eating disorder or whatever you know that is the body you know i mean eating disorders are not a good thing and like if people have them they should get help but that is your body's way of dealing with something extremely traumatic yes. i had i had a counselor a, a, a psychologist when I relapsed with my eating disorder after having my daughter and I relapsed pretty severely. Um, it was, it was pretty dangerous pretty quickly and was hospitalized, but the psychologist that I was seeing, I remember she helped me with that same realization, that rewiring of the thought, because she said, your eating disorder is a coping mechanism. And without it, you wouldn't have coped. It was a survival mechanism. How, um, clever and brilliant of you to come up with something that helped you cope through those really, really horrible hard times. And I was like, yeah. what? That's my, I've never had someone look at it as anything other than evil and bad. And, you know, it shifted that perspective as, oh, there's not something wrong with me. Whilst it might not be a healthy coping mechanism, I was never taught healthy coping mechanisms. So yeah. that's why something like that developed, um, especially within the church when, and our one, it was charismatic, evangelical Christian. So there was a really big focus on looks and what you wear and this, this, as you say, this mask, this personality that you present. And even knowing now that I've got ADHD, which I didn't know back then, and that I'm bi, which I didn't realize was okay back then. I didn't know it was a thing. So I think all of that obviously compiled behind that mask to, to making me feel as broken as they're telling me I am. So yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And that that book you're talking about um, sounds like a great resource as well for people. Yeah, sure. I think it's going to be good. And uh, um, I mean, another book that I absolutely love is, um, and I was reminded of it when you said about the exorcism part, mm-hmm. um, Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. Mm. Um, and it's a novel based on her childhood in a charismatic evangelical um, home. And she realizes that she you know she becomes realizes she's a lesbian and and you can imagine the fallout but there's yeah. a there's an attempted exorcism and it was actually made into a tv series in the uk mm. so it's available on dvd probably still 
Mm-hmm. Um, this book um but <laughs> she there's one bit where she becomes very ill because of all the bad shit that's happening to her oh. and um and there's a tiny orange demon um that comes and visits her and it's like it's really cute <laughs> this <laughs> tiny orange demon and uh it's sort of it's obviously like a part of her psyche or a projection or something mm. um but it's and it's sort of helping her to rebel against her mum and her her weird way of looking at the world. Yeah, um, yeah it's a great book. Highly recommend. Oh, that sounds that sounds really interesting. <laughs> um, cool. I I think as well for me being by, it didn't compute in my brain for a long time in the worst way possible because I remember at the church when they were talking about people who were gay, and especially at the time, it was mainly a focus on men who were gay. There wasn't much talk about people who, uh, women who love other women. Yeah. But it was I always think they obvious... don't realise, you know, that, that that's a possible thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember they would talk about things like, you know, um, you hate the sin, not the sinner. We love everybody, um, but they just shouldn't do that. And if they act on it, then that's what's wrong. Um, and one thing where they were talking about, you know, trying to just sort of, push it down or I think I don't know if they were talking about conversion therapy I'm sure there was some aspect or referencing it. I was probably too young to really understand but I remember having the the thought of well if everyone's going to hate you for doing it why don't you just marry you know if you're a man and you you think you're gay this was my thoughts right um why not just marry the woman because it's fine like I would if I was told that I had to marry a woman I wouldn't find a problem with that why has everyone got such a big problem with having to marry someone of the opposite sex instead of their own because I didn't realize that I was attracted to both so I was like I don't get the big deal just put on a show and marry someone (laughs) (laughs) and I realized later I was like oh not everyone thinks that way because not everyone is attracted to both that that makes sense now um so that was my like childish mind trying to I guess come to terms with what they were talking about um obviously as an adult now I understand it a lot better Um, (laughs) that is adorably bisexual yes (laughs) (laughs) just do the thing it's yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's so cool I mean one of the things I think that you know when I discovered um you know I discovered paganism and um and like the first book I read that was um like after Pucker Puts Hill. Actually the first book I read after Pucker Puts Hill was um uh Mr. Babylon, but um skipping over that is the author is problematic. Um the next the sort of non first non-fiction pagan book that I read was Starhawk's um Dream in the Dark. And like Starhawk makes it very, very clear that being gay is completely sacred. Mm. And I just love that. The idea that, you know, not only is gayness kind of accepted or welcome in paganism, but it's sacred. Mm. You know, that LGBT people LGBT put my teeth back in, LGBT people are beloved of the goddess and you know, that queerness is sacred and that's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. When I was 14 maybe 15 maybe 14 it was before my parents had divorced and before we'd left the church and my mum my mum was she'd been to bible college she was in the women's ministries and I remember because she worked as an image consultant which is you know helping people with their style and how to dress and colors that suit them all of that 
and she had this client who was trans, so a trans, transgender woman. And for me, firstly, it was probably the first time I'd heard of that. And secondly, mum got a lot of backlash from people. Why are you taking oh. on that person as a client? You shouldn't be encouraging because she was like, well, they want to learn how to dress for their body type. That's what I teach. That's what I do. I'm just helping them dress, you know, if they want to look more feminine, I'll help them look more feminine. And it was eye-opening for me to see my mum start to rebel a little bit and push back and say, you know, well, I've, I've talked to her and she she was suicidal until she made this shift. What's better to have someone still alive and happy um, but different to what you want or to have them kill themselves? And yeah. that for me was like a, yes, I agree, mum. Yes, why, why are they saying that's wrong? And it started to put some of those questions in there as well, which, you know, I think is where everything, at least for my mom, I think I'd love, actually, I should get her on the podcast too. I think it's where it's yeah. like all crumble because for her, it was all, as you say, this facade, this mask, this new personality that gets put into place when you join the church. And she joined a lot older. Um, I was, I guess, masked from the beginning and then had to sort of crumble it down from there. But it was wonderful to see her push back and and say, no, I, I believe that this, what I'm doing is right. I'm helping somebody. Uh, and it yeah. was such a good example, such a good example. And there's um, an example where her value, her good values were in conflict with the crap values. Yes, of the yes exactly. Absolutely. And I don't think, I mean, she was also very hurt by everyone turning their backs on us. So she hasn't really gone back to church since, but I know she's still has the belief of of God and creator, but it's it's so different to what we used to believe, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. she comes to me for tarot readings now. She would never have done that. <laughs> awesome. Great mum. Yes, um, oh, she's wonderful. Yeah, Absolutely. So yeah. I do have a question. So the other one, the one where the religion doesn't hold up at a critical juncture. So let's just say for a hypothetical question, if my witchcraft were to fail me at a critical moment in my life, but I didn't want to leave it, right? Um, what do you recommend for people who may experience those three things that aren't lining up, but they don't actually want to leave the religion? Like how would how would people sort of work through that conflict? Well, is it possible? Yes. Um, so for me, like, uh, it, I actually have a great example for this, uh, and that is that back in the early 2000s, um, I think the, you know, since then the community has matured and more people have like formed more connections and more links and more, more support networks and stuff like that. And I was having various issues around various things. And one of the things I was having issues with was the, the sort of heterocentrism of the craft. And, and I kind of felt like nobody was listening to that. And there were a couple of other things going on as well. But it was really, really hard because I kind of, you know, when all this fear that evangelical Christianity might be true kind of surfaced from the depths of my psyche, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to fit my brain back into that tiny, tiny, narrow box that that's their version of reality. That would be horrific. So, like, you know, um, thankfully, I was sufficiently embedded in pagan you know paganism was embedded in me and i was embedded in paganism and, and you know even though i was quite cross with paganism about a number of things um i couldn't no i couldn't have called myself a christian because there's just too much 
vile crap that Christianity has perpetrated, um, you know, genocides and pogroms and mm. all of that. Um, and so, um, so I didn't know what to call myself. And then I just, you know, it was a case of you can take the you can take the person out of wicker, but you can't take the wicker out of the person. So, yeah, I just couldn't not be a wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I bring up in the book is the notion of miracles. Um, like paganism generally doesn't has magic, but not miracles. And, you know, magic the, to me, the distinction between magic and miracles is that magic works in concert with um, with the laws of physics. So if we do, you know, if we send out thought waves or that to help people send out healing vibes or whatever it is we're doing, um, that we may not understand, maybe there isn't currently a scientific explanation for what it is we're doing, but one day there will be because mm-hmm. uh, we're not working against the laws of physics. Um, whereas I think a miracle by definition is against the laws of physics. It's like, you know, the divine hand reaching into reality, rearranging the bits and, you know, um, it's not um, you know, a miracle by definition breaks the laws of physics. Right. So mm. one of the examples in the book that I, I came across while I was reading another book for my research um was this boy who sadly died um because he belonged to a charismatic style church in the u.s and they had a faith healer in um and he he and his parents were both convinced that he'd been healed of diabetes Mm. they threw his insulin away um and uh, because he believed that the symptoms they he and his parents both believed that the symptoms were gone um long story short it took the poor kid three days to die mm. and i think that you know that is because those people believed in miracles mm-hmm. um you know if miracles happen then they happen in concert with you know just keep taking the medicine for crying out loud you know mm-hmm. um and um, you know, tragic and avoidable death, mm-hmm. but also whole idea of miracles um, puts puts an unbearable strain on accepting the the reality of a situation. Because if you're like, all right, my beloved person has some terminal illness, you think that they could be miraculously healed if only you had enough faith. Mm then that puts a horrendous strain on your spirituality and your religion. Mm. Um, Whereas if you believe, okay, I have the personal power to send them healing and, you know, but I'm also aware that that the cancer or whatever it happens to be is still going to kill them. Mm. um, You've got kind of got the best of both worlds. That's like, all right, great. I can send healing, which may or may not work. Um, but also I accept that they have this disease and I'm not going to be able to cure it. Uh, Whereas when you have the expectation of miracles, I think it's actually really cruel Mm. to to give people a hope that can never be fulfilled. Yeah. And I know, I know many people in Christian, 
cults, I would even call them, that yeah. they would they believe this. I have I have friends that were in our church and then ended up moving to a much more restrictive style of church. And uh, they're still in that now. And they heavily believe on speaking, um, speaking things into existence, which okay. I mean, I get positive affirmations, all that. But it's to the point of, you know, I speak and it becomes whatever it is, which comes from the Hebrew beginnings of Genesis. Um, right. I, I speak and I create, which we see in occult and magical um, thinking and things like that as well. But this, they're to that point where it is miracle based, right? Um, and I, I just know if someone had, I mean, they don't have anyone with diabetes, but if they had believed in a miracle, they would have to show their faith by throwing out that medication. That would be the sign of we have faith in this. If we don't do that, then we've got doubt in our hearts and it won't be a miracle. And I, yeah. I can almost guarantee that that I would even, I'm, I'm very sympathetic with that poor child, but also the parents, I know that they would then be blaming themselves. We didn't have enough faith or yeah. we doubt it. It's our fault and it is their fault. I mean, you know, but I can just, I can see, and I see how it really preys on people. My own grandmother, she was, um, you know, she was only educated, I think up, up until grade four, maybe like not, not very educated. And she was very, very, very hardcore Christian. And she, my grandfather was a preacher and she would get up and she would share their testimonies with everyone. And their testimony was about their daughter who had leukemia and they prayed over her and they got the church to pray over her and she was miraculously healed. Now, I've done, I've done my grandmother's memoir. I have interviewed her. I've pulled everything to pieces. <clears throat> I have no way, like there is nothing that I can see in her story or, or when she recounts the whole thing that tells me that their daughter, my aunt actually had leukemia. Like it, it just, you know, what were the symptoms? How did you know? When did you go to the doctor? What did they do? You know, I'm asking those sorts of things. And the answers that she was giving was just, oh, you know, she just was, she was a bit ill and then she wasn't. And then there was another one where she was miraculously healed of gastro, which, you know, and after three days, it just stopped. It's like, yeah, that's what gastro well, does, Nana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the one that got me was there was this thing um, where there were loads of, there was um, uh, Christians saying that um, they were stuck in traffic uh, in New York on the 11th of September 2001 um, and that God miraculously made the traffic slow down so that they'd be okay. Because traffic is so rare in New York. That too, but like, why are you so special? Yes. Right? That God God was quite happy for the 3,000 people to die in the World Trade Center, but he saved this one evangelical twat bag Mm. in traffic. No, I don't think so. And these (laughs) stories that are then told, you know, my nana was preaching this to third world countries as they went on their missions trips, right? So I'm like, you believe this, and now you're preaching it so other people believe it and come to Jesus, but I feel like they're coming under false pretenses because that didn't actually happen. There was no actual miracle. And it's just this flow on effect that, you know, almost preys on, and it's not just people without critical thinking or education, because there are many highly educated people who are a part of evangelical Christian um, churches all over the world. Um, I think it really preys on insecurity and vulnerability. Yeah. And I think it's a binary thinking thing, like Mm. things are either this or they're that. Whereas I think we tend to have a much more kind of nuanced and, you know, rainbow effect. Yeah. Um, 
kind of approach to things. It's like, well, you know, it could be this, but it could also be that. Oh, and it could be that. Yeah. Um, and I like that about paganism that, you know, it's like, well, you know, maybe I had a maybe I had an encounter with a deity, or, you know, maybe it was just a dream. Um and there's just, you know, there's we allow ourselves that ambivalence. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm actually gonna quote you again. So I hope you don't mind listening to me parrot your words. But Not at all. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's great, but you honestly. So um one one thing I love about your writing is it's very straightforward, um, which I appreciate. I don't know what your Mercury sign is. I don't know. Do you know what your Mercury sign is? Uh not without looking it up. <laughs> So I have a Virgo Mercury, which it's an earth sign. And people always tell me that I'm, you know, straight to the point. I don't fluff around. I get in, I speak quite quickly. That is, you know, Mercury is quite fast. Virgo um, is ruled by Mercury. So that's kind of how I get to the point. I give you the information, good at teaching all those things. And I feel like you might either something like that, because it's just this very grounded, straightforward, um, way of delivering information i love it spoke to my virgo mercury so what you've said is if you want to evaluate a belief or a concept one way to do so is to find out how many different religions agree on it for example there are numerous religions that believe in reincarnation and they are not all derived from each other and there are numerous people from different cultures and traditions who have had flashbacks to their previous lives so this seems like a reasonable thing to believe in on the other hand, there is only one religion that believes in a savior sacrificing himself to save people from his vengeful father, and not all of them interpret it like that. So that does not seem like a particularly reasonable idea, <laughs> which I just thought was so logical and yeah, straightforward and nourishing to read. Now, this works wonders for me, um, but I also know that a lot of people who are still in the church would rebut this as you know, the flashbacks to reincarnation or that that's the work of the devil, right? So do you have anything you would suggest for people who want to move past that fear of everything that is other being from the devil? Because I see people that have they've left the church, they might be exploring other religions and paganism or witchcraft, you know, touching their feet, but then in their head they keep hearing that's demons whispering in your, your ear or that's from the devil, the devil wants you to believe that. What, what do you think people can do to work past that fear? I think that's a great question. And I think, um, um, like, start with the easy stuff, you know. Um, I I remember, like, I mean, I'm still, like, anti-Ouija boards. Um, and that I've just, um, and it's because I've never tried them. Um, maybe I'd be okay if I tried them, but I've just never have um so the first thing is to like you know get an if you're say you're scared of tarot right there are people who are scared of tarot um so you know get a site a nice fluffy deck with cats on it um and you know just look at the cards and read a bit about the history of the tarot which you know ironically enough has a large number of christian symbols in it um and you know, just look at the actual sources of the thing. Um, and there's a great piece by John Beckett uh, on Pathios, and he talks about how, you know, how he got over those fears. And 
he basically said that the only way to get over get past the fear is to immerse yourself in the in the new worldview um and i think one of the hardest things to do um but uh, extremely worthwhile is to never argue from within the christian paradigm um you know so if someone said like for example i had this really nice open-minded liberal evangelical you know i was like wow liberal evangelicals exist amazing anyway i had this liberal evangelical neighbor um and he said to me um so so how does paganism envisage the concept of or like what's the how does salvation work in paganism i'm like well it doesn't because we don't have salvation (laughs) because you know we don't believe we need to be saved um so like non-question can't answer that yeah Uh, and you know if somebody says to you well aren't you afraid you're going to hell it's like well no because hell doesn't exist and Mm. you know like um however tempting it is to argue from a you know um and sometimes I still have arguments with people from within the Christian paradigm just because and then then I have to go look um from within your paradigm I'm going to answer that from within your paradigm and then we're going to answer it from within my paradigm because just to remind you that I'm not part of your paradigm anymore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and I think that's you know but especially when you're starting out on the journey away from from whatever fundamentalist tradition it is, um, you want to try and break out of that mindset so it doesn't make sense to, like, you know, use arguments from within it. Because mm. um, it's interesting, I see a lot of atheists online, um, you know, they seem very, very interested in the doings of the church. And I'm like, well, you know, you seem, for, for somebody who's broken up with the church, you seem oddly obsessed with it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes, I've seen. But yeah, I think, I think it's just a case of you know, um, if you think of the whole thing as like a, um, what do you call knit? What do you call knitwear in Australia? Jumpers, sweaters. Yes, yes like a a jumper. <laughs> a jumper. Right. Yeah, because in Canada they're not called jumpers, and it it does my head in. Right. Well, Canada has weird words for things. When I lived there, it took me so long to figure out that a beanie is called a toque. And I think it's the most yeah. ridiculous word in the world. <laughs> no, I just object to the word sweater because it sounds sweaty. Um, <laughs> right. So you've so you've got this jumper and it's all knitted, and then um and then one thread gets pulled on, and that is the one that is the inciting incident mm-hmm. that makes you realize that the that fundamentalism is wrong, right? So you, you pull on that thread. And then hopefully the whole thing comes unraveled and, you know, just keep pulling on the threads, mm-hmm. like pull on the original thread that you, that, that broke you out of that paradigm and then find more threads and pull on those too. What if you had someone you could trust with all of your wildest spiritual questions? Imagine how it would feel to explore your intuition and free your inner witch. 
lucky for you, I offer a 30 or 60 minute guidance call one-on-one with me, your host, Hannah, the Suburban Witch, for all your witchy questions. It's a service done via Zoom as a video call, and you can use your time with me to ask advice about your own personal practice, seek guidance on where you're going with your life, explore your birth chart, discover a career that aligns with your birth chart and your soul's true purpose, uncover answers to your questions with the tarot, and accelerate your psychic development with personalized advice, such as the best herbs, crystals, books, or resources to move you forward. Book yours now at suburbanwitchery.com. You've covered a couple of books that you recommend. So aside from your own, which I, is what I 100%, 100% recommend to people, what is your favorite book recommendation specifically for people moving from evangelical, Pentecostal, um, or fundamentalist Christianity towards paganism, secularism, atheism, or other faiths? Do you have a, another favorite? Uh, yeah. So oranges are not the only fruit definitely mm-hmm. uh also godless morality by richard holloway um is really really good um and um i think i also think that you know if you want a loving supportive community if you're not into paganism but you want a loving supportive community to um to heal that wound that christianity made mm-hmm. then i heartily recommend the unitarians because they are, you know, or um, Unitarian Universalists because they're lovely people and and it's an extremely healing experience from that particular wound. Mm. Uh, and I think um, back to books. Um, I mean, the thing for me was that you know when I when I left Christianity, there weren't any books, right? Because it was in the late eighties um so uh and then second time around there were still no books um people online like go to the exvangelical hashtag because there's some awesome mm-hmm. stuff in there um also the religious trauma hashtag is good and um you know this joe lumen is on a tear at the moment she's doing fantastic stuff about you know the white supremacist crap that christianity is um mm-hmm. is entangled with yes. um i really recommend her and i hope she writes a book too um and yeah when Gillian jenkinson's book comes out that's going to be really good um another book that i referred to a lot during the writing um was um griffith and griffith uh let me pull up the title actually um Oh, uh, it should be in further reading, hopefully. Oh, no, it's not in further reading. It's in the bibliography. Hang on. Well, whilst you uh, look that up, I've got a um, person on social media that I can recommend for people as well because I find their stuff really funny and it just speaks to my heart, uh, which is April. What is her full username? April A. Joy. Oh, neat. Not come across her. That's very cool. April A. Joy. Humorously detoxing Christianity. <laughs> Yeah. ex-conservative um oh and apparently she has a podcast evangelical ish i might have to check that out as well but she does little skits um so it's very humorous which can i think for me personally i think if i had had humorous takes on mm. the religion earlier on it may have made it a little bit easier it's just a little bit softer so she might yeah. take you know um 
someone who's preaching and she puts it into this skit where it's like, what does she call it? Um, cringy Christian skits or something. And she acts out what they're, the story that they're telling the pastor on the stage. And it sort of shows you how just ridiculous it is, whatever they're talking about. So awesome. it's really funny. <laughs> so I do recommend her account to yeah. anyone going through this yeah. journey. Did so you find yeah, it is. Um, so just a quick plug for the backup website uh, for the book, which is mm-hmm. uh, changingpathsresources.ca. Um, and I also have a Spotify playlist so uh, to accompany the book. Um, anyway, the book is James L. Griffith and Melissa, Melissa Elliott Griffith Encountering the Sacred in Psychotherapy, How to Talk with People About Their Spiritual Lives. And that was the book that said about the poor kid with... Um, mm-hmm with diabetes who died um but also talks about um i mean it's quite an expensive book uh it was kindly lent to me by a friend um so like try and get it from a library or something but um it's really good Mm. Um, when when you're mentioning that um the child with who died from diabetes i just also want to mention to everyone listening it is not just Christianity and Christian people who have that problem of, you know, Mm. praying for sickness to go away, believing it does and not seeking medical attention because I've seen a big crossover and I've actually uh, organized an interview, which I'll be doing tomorrow, but it probably won't come out for a little bit uh, with Matthew Remsky, where we're going to talk about the new age to alt-right pipeline because it crosses over with a lot of this stuff. So you have these evangelical Christian groups or very, um, you know, high control Christian groups. Uh, then we have the crunchy community, um, the parts of the new age and witchcraft energy healing style community. And there can be that magical thinking again here. Think of people like um, Joe Dispenza, right? Who says that you can meditate your, you know, broken back to heal and yeah. all those sorts of things, which, you know, I think meditation is great, but I also think, do that alongside all your other normal things. And yeah. we've seen stuff like this happen even in our own, you know, pagan community as well. So it's not yeah. separate from it, but it is quite common with um, with Christianity also. So yeah. I will be doing another episode deeper on that if anyone's interested. Which will come yes, up. that is very true. And I think, um, you know, like uh, about 18 months ago, someone said to me, um, you know, I said, Oh, I've got a headache. I'm going to take an aspirin. Um, oh, why are you taking an aspirin? Can't you like manifest wellness? And I'm like, no, um, I'm taking the medicine that I need. Yeah. And by the way, aspirin was discovered by witches. I was just about to say, did you tell them that it comes from the willow bark tree? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I do, I, we definitely have this problem because like the number of times that, you know, people with, um, mental health issues have been told oh you know just put an ounce of cinnamon up your ass it'll be fine or you know go go for a walk in the woods Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know no uh depression is often caused by chemical imbalance so you need to get the chemical imbalance you get need to get the chemicals in balance before you can enjoy the walk in the woods exactly Mm -hmm. and one other crossover which kind of leads into um the when you're talking about inclusive witchcraft and wicca uh one other thing that i often notice is when we have very 
like room scented oh um, yeah sometimes yeah. very turfy areas of witchcraft and wicca um there is a critical book review that i did on uh, my website of one book in particular because it's talking about blood magic and you know connection with your menstrual cycle that's great people who menstruate want to connect with their menstrual cycle a lot of the time wonderful bring it into your magical practice but um, in that book they then quoted um, christian northrup quite a lot who is very 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 problematic um, and goes into that like white supremacy anti-semitic type of Ooh. diatribe and it's yeah. just this really slippery little pathway just like the sort of faith healing pathway they just yeah. they slip in and they all kind of congregate and it's just really um because you you said before the white supremacy aspect in in christianity and then we get it you know slipping in through this like shamanic witchcraft side and it's mm. very um disturbing to watch and if you're not looking for it and if you're not aware of it you can fall down that slope pretty quickly too yeah and i i also recommend uh reading amy hale's checklist of um you know how to tell how to uh the it's called the pagan and occult fascist connection and how to fix it oh i might have to get that is that that's a book uh it's an article um on medium and again it's on my it's in the bibliography yep. so um but yeah amy talks through like okay here are all the things in paganism that tend to be problematic and yeah. they're linked with the alt-right and how we should fix that mm. um and she's got like a a list of questions to ask yourself to like journal prompts to work through and go okay um so that's that's really helpful that's great i will put the link to your website that has all the resources in the description box for anyone who's wanting to go on search through those find those links listen to the playlist as well i think that's that's wonderful and my last question for you today um what has been the most helpful thing that you've done uh, to come to terms with these as you put it simmering volcano of anger at christianity right um uh let it blow <laughs> um mm -hmm. so yeah like i had to kind of i had to get to the underlying causes um uh to kind of figure out okay what what is it that i need to do to get past the the stuff that's in the box the locked box mark do not open mm -hmm. um and so, you know, you really have to confront that fear head on and, you know, use all the means at your disposal, which means like reason and feelings and, you know, just, I think, immersing yourself in a different worldview, whether that's paganism or something else. Um, you know, just going for a root and branch examination of why fundamentalist Christianity is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, fundamentalist whatever it is is wrong and like you know those things you were taught about lgbt people and the position of women and you know who's going to the, the idea that a certain group might be going to hell or whatever it is um you've got to kind of confront that head on and and just you know kind of headbutt your way out <laughs> you know um and I think the the advice from John Beckett that that you need to really immerse yourself in that in pagan practice or another spiritual practice, um, because one of the things that I've noticed about um, 
you know, atheists are so adamant that all spiritual stuff is completely wrong and that it's completely irrational and blah, 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 right? And I think that's their way of going, I'm going to immerse myself in my new worldview and and I'm going to draw a hard, bright line between me and my fundamentalist past. And we need to, to kind of do the same, but immersing ourselves into a more into that other, you know, pagan or other worldview um, so that you've got something positive to to latch onto, really. Mm. Um, so one of the metaphors I like to use about life in general is the idea that um, being an individual in society is like being a fish in the in the deeps of the ocean um so obviously that when you're in the deeps of the ocean there's a lot of pressure from there's a lot of external pressure so the internal pressure of the fish has to be equal to the external pressure of the of the ocean because otherwise the fish is going to implode and so whatever the environment we find ourselves in our internal pressure has to be equal to the environment so that we can function mm, it must equalize yeah um and also i think if you probably if you take that fish out of the depths of the ocean it would probably explode but mm. i don't really <laughs> i don't know that breaks the metaphor so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's like uh you know um i mean i always feel for people who live in places that are really heavily christian mm. um, so one of my ambitions in life is to go to a country that's never had christianity as the dominant religion um are there many of those left um well i mean i guess india brings yes. to mind yes. um and like, although i mean i mean obviously there is christianity in india but it's not it's never been the dominant religion for any great length of time mm. um yeah, my, so grand my grandparents did lots of mission trips there. And um, I remember even when we visited, my husband and I went to India and I didn't, ex I just didn't expect to see or to meet people who were Christian. And it really surprised me um, because we did. And they were in, that was in the South. I'm not sure about the North being less so, but um, mm. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But it's definitely, yeah, it's not a dominant. It's not something you see everywhere. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like here, you can't move without falling over a church, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And here we've got people on corners everywhere preaching with a megaphone. Ugh. Yeah, thankfully that's quite rare in Canada now, which is which is good. I never really saw it much in my home state down south in Victoria, like maybe in the city, but I'm shocked how many times I've seen it up here in Queensland. Um but I mean, we often see Queenslanders, and I'm sorry if I offend anyone, as a little bit um, backwards. I would say if anywhere it's going to be similar to like a Bible belty section of the, the US is kind of how this state feels. <laughs> Not always, but um, in some sections definitely. So, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, so much for your time. Enjoy your sure. day. Um, what is the best place that people can go to? I'll obviously put that link in there, but um, best place for people to find you if they want to follow along with you or get in touch with you or anything like that. Yeah, so uh, I have a website, Uh and that 
hopefully has links to all the things. Um, uh, I'm not one of those clever people like you who have the same um, handle on all the social media, mm-hmm. uh, but you can usually find me by searching for me. Um, and uh, my handle on Instagram is Yvonne underscore Abro. And um, I stopped being on Twitter, but uh, you can find me on Mastodon. Where else can you find me? Uh, oh, Substack. I have a Substack. Uh, and yeah, Instagram. And I'm not on Facebook anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which was super for my mental health, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have two WordPress blogs because uh, one wasn't enough. Um <laughs> I have I have Dowsing for Divinity, which is the pagan theology one, and then um changing paths resources.ca for the for this book. So awesome. Thank you so much. Um yeah. I'll put all those links in the description box below, along with um links for my own website as well. So as everyone may or may not be aware, um I do have uh, three classes coming up. So uh, there's one in April, May, and June. Those are the ones I've booked in for this year. So if anyone wants to attend one of my classes, they have limited live spots, only 10 live spots available, but there are replays that you can purchase as well. So head on over to spermwitchery.com. You can also book a guidance call with me there to have your cards read, or I can jump into your birth chart. We can talk all things witchcraft. It'll be fun. Um, and as Yvonne said, you can find me as Suburban Witchery on pretty much all social media platforms. Those links will be below as well so make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode uh, join us on our witch talks podcast specific instagram if you would like it's simply at witch talks podcast and i hope you have a lovely day wherever you are in the world today thank you very much for listening <laughs>